Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, yeah, I did no. that. I cleaned the shit out of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a cute little laugh you've got. How have I never noticed that before? Hello everybody and welcome to Vicky Patterson, The Secret 2. This week I am joined by my good friend, the absolutely hilarious, and actually if you ladies and gents could see him right now, you'd be thinking to yourself, the not too shabby, when he's topless, Chris Taylor. Woo! Hello, how are we doing? I should put some clothes on really, shouldn't I? I was relying on the fact that no one's going to see me, so I've literally got nothing on. That's how I work best. <laughs> Unfortunately, none of our listeners get to see you, but I am enjoying the fruits of your labour right now. You're a bit of a topless hunk, oh, aren't you, son? You're welcome. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Do you know what? I've actually uh, I've, um, I've made a few headlines recently, and they do refer to me as a hunk, and every time I read it, I'm like, that is ridiculous. I've never been called that in my life. Um, <laughs> Love Island hunk. I swell with pride when I read it. <laughs> I always think like there's certain ways you're described in the press that just like never ring true to me. I've had bombshell before, and I just think like what as if I, as in like I'm I'm a disaster whenever I leave. Like that's probably the only <laughs> way that's true. <laughs> uh, bomb disposal unit. <laughs> <laughs> How have you been? How's how's lockdown been for your petal? I've gone through various stages to be honest like I think I think when it all started I was kind of like yeah this is awesome like this is a chance to actually get some downtime after the show uh, get my life in order be productive and all that kind of stuff and I kind of figured out the best thing to do is just like slow your life down to about one sixteenth of its normal pace don't I mean don't have a shower that takes five minutes like take a good 45 minutes to do that stretch everything out so I was doing that for a bit so I went through the, the productive stage um, and then I fell out of that into just a whirlwind of playing Pokemon, uh, quite <laughs> frankly, and Mario, because I bought a Switch. Uh, and then I completed all of that and I was just like, God, what do I do now? So I wrote a podcast mm-hmm. uh, and that's sort of like in the process of getting commissioned. And uh, and then, I don't know, I, I kept I kept being like, all oh, right, I know what I'll do. I'll, 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 I'll have like a routine mm-hmm. and I'll try and do all the things that I've wanted to do for ages. So I started learning Spanish on Babbel. Uh, that didn't last very long. Oh, right. um, I can do, uh, ¿Dónde está la biblioteca? That's about <laughs> all I know. And that's actually just off a television programme. I didn't <laughs> learn that off the app. Um, what else have I done? Oh, we went through sort of like the TikTok stage. Um, I've obviously been doing sort of like random quizzes on my Instagram where I just lie to people. <laughs> so I've just been keeping busy, mate. Just, yeah, doing what I can. God, it sounds like you've been super busy. It feels like you've had like 13 different people's lockdowns in one. Um, 
I, you've also... That's what happens when you've got multiple personalities. (laughs) That's the joys of being a little bit weird. I, um, Mm. you forgot to mention that over the course of lockdown, you've also been helping me with my wonderful little passion project, the isolation care packages. Oh, yeah. I like, I like to be modest though. I don't talk about things like that too much. Do you know when you say, oh yeah, by the way, guys, I do charity work. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if you noticed this about me, but uh, I'm a pretty good guy. Um, but yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that. You know, that that kind of brought a bit of structure back to my life because that was mm-hmm. when I was going through the uh, the Pokemon and Mario phase. Okay, and um, it was just nice to get out of the house <laughs> and see some other people from a safe distance, and literally, um, literally, just do the the most boring work I've ever done in my life, like mind-numbingly boring, but also weirdly so fun medium. at the same time. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I've always said, if I didn't, um, if I if I wasn't doing what I was doing now, obviously I was in sales before I went to Love Island. My dream job would be cleaning windows because I really like the satisfaction of you know when you get like that little that little scraper thing. Oh and you yeah. Just go sort of like up and down and across. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that. For me, that's quite a sexual thing. Like honestly, it gives me a weird. It gives me like a weird window boner. Um, <laughs> so I think that's what I'd do. You've if, got. A window. Do you know what? Actually, I totally get it. We've got this big, like, glass coffee table in the front room. And Erkan can quite happily yeah. just, like, eat his dinner off it and then walk away and leave it. I will sit and stare yeah. at any little smears, any little scuffs. And I'm like, no, oh. no, 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 no. I have to clean it. Yeah. And once I get up and give it a good going over with the flash, I sit. And I think it's probably yeah. as close to being aroused over a piece of clean furniture I've ever been in my life. <laughs> <laughs> It's so weird, isn't it? It's the satisfaction of having done it and looking at it and going, yeah, yeah I did that. I'll yeah, I did that. that. I cleaned the shit out of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a cute little laugh you've got. How have I never noticed that before? I've got various laughs. It, laughs? I've got various laughs. It depends It depends if I'm actually laughing or not. Okay. Joe, you know, you've got like, you, when I used to work in sales, I had my fake laugh. Uh-huh. And I'll basically do that when... I know someone's trying to be funny and I'm trying to be polite, but I don't find it funny. So I'm like, but that was a genuine laugh there. You got, you got the real one. You could tell it felt so cute. (laughs) Oh, bless you. But the lads that I live with know my real laugh from my fake laugh now. So you can't get one over on them. I can't get away with it anymore. It's, it's crap to be honest. Yeah. I'm just trying to be polite. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't want to offend anyone, but that, what, what you just said was really not fucking funny. Do you know what I mean? That's that's the equivalent of what I'm saying with my... Uh... <laughs> well, we're going to find out anyway, babe. Don't beat yourself up. <laughs> what I loved about you, right? Um, and I this became like blatantly apparent when I started doing my isolation care package project. project. And for anyone who doesn't know, um, yeah. throughout lockdown, I felt super guilty and I got super upset about... Um, older people, vulnerable people, being without food. It was in that real, like, people ransacking the supermarket shelves stage. Um, And I used this project as, like, a barometer for how I saw people. So someone like you, who um, we'd met once or twice before, but weren't by any stretch of the imagination good pals, but, like, you reached out to me and said, "Um, I've seen what you're doing. Like, fair play to you. I absolutely love it. Can I come and help? Like you instantly flew up in my estimations and I sort of just thought, yes, he's a fucking good man. People who donated, I started to love them. Like people who asked me how it was going, people who acknowledged it, I loved them. But there were some people who honestly, I just thought you 
you haven't asked me how this is you haven't volunteered to help and they went down in my estimations how bad's that it it made me really judgmental man (laughs) no i know i know what you're saying i know what you're saying it's funny if you look at sort of like instagram stuff as well you know Mm -hmm. like when you when you post a story about some kind of donation obviously not not everyone has got sort of like disposable income and stuff like that but you look at it and you look at the stats and you think there's not many people doing that Um, and people will put a lot of pressure on us to, do you know what I mean, to, to do the right thing in certain scenarios and stuff like that. But then you look back at the, the their reaction to it and you can post sort of like a topless photo that will get loads and loads of engagement. And then you post that kind of thing and it's like dead. Uh-huh. And you're like, hold on a minute. Like, this is actually a good thing. Like, yeah. we're genuinely trying to sort of impact the world in a positive way. And the reaction to it is quite frankly shit. And you're just a bit like, what? I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I completely get that. And I struggle with this all the time. So my Instagram is a place of like positivity, um, a little bit of humor. Don't get Mm. us wrong. There's some glam pics, there's things like that. But ultimately it's honesty and it's real. Yeah. So it frustrates me. Like if I wanted to post a picture of my ass, right, it would get probably about 150,000 likes, right? I don't. I yeah. do not want to post a picture of my butt. Like, I haven't wanted to. I respect to. that. <laughs> but if I was yeah. to post a picture of me doing charity work or me having some sort of achievement, like, do you know what I mean? It would get, like, 20,000 mm. likes. And whereas I'm not desperate for yeah. validation across Instagram, like, we all know we're using it as a business, no. as a platform, so likes do matter. It's just frustrating that people want you to be better. They want to see us as role models, as people from reality TV. Yet when yeah. we give them the content, that a role model would provide they don't respond yes. well yeah they want to see your tits that, yeah that's the the paradox of it all <laughs> yeah. it's mad it's actually mad i don't get it but you know it is incredibly frustrating life. but i'm going down a rabbit hole chris what i really really want to talk to yeah. you about because it is the summer okay. of love and everybody's probably feeling a, a little bit empty we're probably feeling like oh god we're missing a love island shaped hole in our lives i want you to fill that hole yeah. Will you fill that hole for me, Chris? Okay. Void filling. I've done that before in some capacity, so I think I'll be all right. Yeah. Brilliant. Hit me. <laughs> okay, so Love Island, I think it's safe to say, totally, completely changed your life in the same way that like Geordie Shaw did for me. Yeah. Um, what were you doing yeah. before you went in the villa? You've mentioned before you were in sale. Yeah, I was uh, I was selling lies. I used to lie a lot for a living. <laughs> that was uh, that's just part of the reason why I do this fake fat real fat thing now, because I just I really honed my ability to lie to people. No, to be honest, um, that was a bit of a joke. I used to work for a identity verification software business and I was a business development manager. So I used to travel around the UK speaking to important people. That was an air quote for those of you that can't see because this is a podcast. And um, yeah, that, that, that was my job. And I still, I still don't know if I was any good at it. Like I used to hit my target and stuff like that, but I, I wouldn't say I was like next level at it. It wasn't really my calling, but I could do it, and I got paid well for it. Um, but then the uh, the old Love Island opportunity came along, and it was kind of a, it was kind of a bit of a, um, it was a hard decision because I was sacrificing a lot. Like if you look at some of the other contestants, like they. They're already models, they're already influencers, they're already PTs, and they can only really gain from that situation, whereas I had to physically yeah. quit my job. Yeah. And they don't they don't say, they tell you that you're, you're going to be on the show, but they also say no one is guaranteed on the show. They say that to absolutely everybody, like, God. your place is not guaranteed. You're not on the show until you walk through the door. So 
I had like a weird moment where just uh, one Wednesday afternoon it was, I was just like, do you know what? Fuck this shit. Like I actually cannot be asked to do this anymore. So I rang my brother and I went, you know about the Love Island thing, right? Um, I'm thinking about just quitting now because I knew it was coming. Um, and he just went, just do it, mate. Yeah. Just just do it. And I literally just did it instantly. And then and then about a week later, I got, I got the call to, to go on. So I took a bit of a gamble, but... What's life without gambling, Vic? I mean, not like on slot machines or anything. I'm not condoning that, but, you know, taking a bit of a risk. You took a massive leap of faith there, though, mate. Huge, but it felt right. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was just sort of like letting the universe do its thing. Um, And it worked out for the best, so no regrets. I mean, that's a bit of an understatement. Look at you now. Obviously, it's paid off. And I do think sometimes you do have to make those 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 big life-changing decisions and just hope for the best because there's a saying up north and it goes yeah. shy bands getting out i don't know if you understand that yeah you yeah, got yeah. it yes, yeah yes. yeah shy shy kids don't get anything my dad's from newcastle isn't he my dad's oh, God, my dad's from up there so he says stuff like all the time <laughs> he's quite wise as well to be Is fair it? do you know what? it's it's ingrained in we're what can i say <laughs> mm. so when you went on Love Island, how did you get on? Because my my process to get on Geordie Show was a little bit um, unconventional, shall we say. And I'll tell you about mine after you've told me about yours. We have to yeah. swap stories. Go on, tell me how okay. how, how the selection process Fine. was. Okay, yeah. Well, it was. It's weird. Like I guess there's kind of like two ways you can get on the show. You can either apply or you can get scouted. I sat somewhere directly in between the two. So. <clears throat> I um I used to work with a girl uh, called Becky Lane, good friend of mine who lived uh, we lived in Leeds at the time. I used to work in Gatecrasher with her oh my years God. ago, Do like you when I was like twenty one or something. Mate, Gatecrasher was sick. It used to be the tits. I used to what love a nightclub. Gatecrasher. Those were the yeah. days, Chris, yeah. weren't they? You they're all, they're all gone now, aren't they? Yeah. They all, they all mysteriously burnt down. <laughs> Insurance. Um. Anyway, <laughs> so um. So yeah, basically, like uh, she was really good mates with Tara Scotter, who is a casting agent for the show. And basically, Tara said to Becky, "Oh, do you know anybody who's uh, single, funny, good-looking?" And Becky was like, "Absolutely not. I don't know anyone like that in my life." But Chris might be interested. Um, <laughs> and then she kind of like put she she put me forward for it. Um, she said, "Oh yeah, get in touch with Chris." So I had a telephone interview with Tara, got on really well with her. Then I had a first stage interview type thing, audition um, at ITV in Holborn. And then I had to do several questionnaires and more questionnaires and admin and all that kind of shite. And then I got an exec call back um, and more questionnaires. And then eventually they rang me and they said, yeah, we want you to be a bombshell on the show. So... I still had to go through the process of applying, even though I was half scouted. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But some people, so like Molly May, for instance, from my season, they'd have gone, right, do it. Do an exec interview straight away and you're on the show. I don't yeah. think Molly May went through the process that I did. And I don't think a lot of other people went through the process that I did unless they applied. So I kind of half got scouted, half had to apply, but didn't apply, got asked to do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Somewhere in between, so... What about you? How did you get on Geordie Shore? I've always wondered this. <laughs> oh, so right. So basically, it was exactly the same for us. Like, MTV decided they wanted yeah. to have a UK answer to Jersey Shore, which was, of course, a massive reality TV juggernaut on in America yeah. that was just smashing it. So they couldn't decide whether they wanted mm. to make Mersey Shore in Liverpool 
or Geordie Shore in Newcastle. Right. They wanted a big party city with people who... No offence to Scousers, but I think they made the right decision. <laughs> oh, well, I think so too. But I'd lived in Liverpool for uni, so I kind of got where they were coming from. They're very similar right. cities. People love a drink. We aren't afraid to speak our mind. Yeah. Feisty fucking women. So I totally got it. Um, but yeah, in the end, yeah, yeah, yeah. they settled on yeah. Newcastle. And at the time, I'd just graduated uni. Yeah. About 21. Um, yeah had no direction Chris which is really rare for me because like I'm quite driven but I just was going out with some was going out with a fella who's you know what I mean like falling in love with some guy who worked in bars and nightclubs and I was working in bars and nightclubs Mm. I was the the rope rat like if your name wasn't on the list you weren't coming in that was my job yeah what was your intro what was your intro used to be (laughs) I'm a VIP girl with it what was it I can't remember now I'm a Geordie girl with a VIP edge. <laughs> so Damn it! Damn it, you made so embarrassing. <laughs> and they played that at the beginning of every episode. For five oh. years, mate. I was on it for Perfect. five years. It was so funny, though. Awful. Um, yeah, if I'd known it was oh, going to stick with me, like, so intrinsically for years, I may have thought of something slightly more creative. But I was just like, and I did finger guns. Yeah. Can you remember I did the finger guns? Yes. Oh, awful. Just a really... There's nothing wrong with finger guns, to be fair. <laughs> if you do the sound effects, it's fine. Pew, pew, pew. There was no pewing. No pewing. <laughs> <laughs> so well, they kind of sent loads of young um, casting directors out on the lash in Newcastle. That's how they did it. They sent them yeah. out with these little cards that said, like, are you interested in being on TV, doing a new reality TV show, get in touch with X, Y, and Z. Um, and all these people would go out in nights yeah. out and they'd look for who was sort of looking like a bit of a character who was like causing a bit of a stir who just Mm. seemed to be a bit of a person about town so I was like running the the VIP rooms in all these bars and nightclubs that they'd come in and uh I sort of became a little bit like their tour guide so to speak and uh, and uh like they'd come to me and they'd be like I'd get them a table I'd get them a bottle of vodka I'd get them a good vantage point where they could truly scope their prey um and see like lay of the land yeah yeah so they can sniper people from across the room (laughs) exactly you know so I would be like they'd come up to me and I sort of became like their first port of call they'd be like um oh Vicky what's he like I'd be like you know what he talks a good game but he cannot pull a muscle and or or like what about her nah <laughs> I'd be like, oh, Shiganza, I like a granny on ice skates. If that's what you're looking for, she'll be class. <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> I just honestly and openly helped them navigate the Newcastle nightlife scene. Yeah. Um, and there was a couple of moments where yeah. they were like, you should audition for this. And I was like, honestly, I'd rather watch me dad get out of the bath. Like, it's not for me. It's <laughs> not for me. And I believe that. I actually genuinely did. Like, Towie was just on screens and so was Made in Chelsea. Yeah. And that idea of like sort of doing scenes and, and talking about my feelings like in a very contrived environment, it didn't necessarily feel oh, like yeah. something I wanted to do. Um, so yeah. I put them off, even though I was like mad excited to have an opportunity like that. It just didn't feel right. Um, and then one night, right, me and all the lasses were out. I was off work and I was on the lash. So Party Patterson had a, had a party pants on, probably. Um, 
<laughs> and we went diving into this nightclub. Like, there's like, I knock about with like 12 girls. We're totally rambunctious. We're an absolute sight for sore eyes. Yeah. So we bubbles into this. Were they, uh, were they quite fake tanned up out of interest? Oh, absolutely. Like, I was basically just a, yeah, yeah. just a walking Oompa Loompa with bright pink cheeks and loads of hair extensions. <laughs> like, that was me as a, as a youth. No shame in my game. We all were up north. We loved it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we went booling into this nightclub. And um, I, I spotted a casting producer across the room and I'm like, you're right, mate. Yeah. I, I won't say his name. I won't, I won't reveal his secret identity. Mm. He's probably still doing something very similar. So I'll, I'll let him remain anonymous. Yeah. So I, I booled up and I was like, are you out on your own? And he was like, no, I'm obviously at work. I was like, yeah, but to everyone else, it just looks like you're out on your own. Like you look like a really creepy, yeah, creepy yeah, yeah. man. Weird that. Yeah. I was like, takes a weird person to do that, you know. <laughs> I, I go to the cinema on my own sometimes and I feel weird doing that. <laughs> I wouldn't go on a night out on my own. Yeah, imagine like nursing a gin and tonic at the bar when everyone else is like 12 Jager bombs deep. It was just a really odd thing to see yeah, in Newcastle. Yeah, weird. You're reading a newspaper. <laughs> just worse though, because he had to like watch and see what people are doing. So he's like staring at people on his own. So oh, uncool. Yeah, creepy that. Yeah. No, it was all right. He cut, he cut two holes in the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> and had some binoculars stuck behind him, so we were fine. No one would see him. He had a trench coat on as well and a top hat, which really ruined it. He weren't allowed near playgrounds or anything. Do you call them binoculars? <laughs> yeah. It's binoculars, isn't it? Well, I don't know. That's I don't know. <laughs> I've just always said binoculars. Binoculars. You're making sound like two words. I mean, I'm loving it. I'm definitely going to adopt it. <laughs> <laughs> you can have it. <laughs> so anyway, he's standing in the corner, staring at everybody, and we asked him to come and join us because we thought, you know what, throw him a bone. So I'm showing off a little bit yeah. because he's one of the most important people I've ever met. He works in TV. Like, I'm only young and I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm telling a story. And it's it's an industry you have no idea no. about until you're in, and then you're like, oh, this is exciting. It's so mysterious, yeah. isn't it? It is, you know It's that. weird. It feels super, like, you, you just felt super important, and I was keen to impress. Yeah. So I'm telling him this story, and I'm joking on, and I'm super animated, and I'm quite handsy anyway, so my arms are flying everywhere, and yeah, and then she did this yeah. and this. And I knocked over a girl's drink who was sitting right oh, next man. to us. Yeah, in the VIP section, right. of course. So I knock this drink on her and she stands up and she's fuming, full Geordie, like blacker-fronted, like raging. And she goes, um, yeah. she's like, you just threw a fucking drink on me. And I was like, uh. Right. I went, honestly, I didn't. I'm so sorry. Like, I was still trying to impress this fella. Like, I was like, no, I didn't. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. didn't. Like, I'm really sorry. It was an accident. She's like, you just fought and threw it. I was <laughs> just gesticulating. This is what my hands do when I talk. I'm sorry. I have no control over my arms when I feel passionate. I'm really sorry. I was showing off. I just was like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean to. Like, I was just telling the story. And she was like, no, you just fought and threw a drink on me. So all my mates are like, are you going to let her talk to you like that? Well, I'm like, ah, stop mm. it. I like, not normally. No, I'm not going to let her talk to us like that but this is a very important man in front of me and I'm showing off for him, so leave me alone. Yeah. So I was like, so the fella goes, come on, let's just leave it, let's leave it, let's go. Like, she's not calming down, let's be the bigger people. So we went to walk off, my mates yeah. are all riled up. Anyway, this last, just as we turn our backs, goes, yeah, that's right, walk away, you slag. Oh, God. Oh, 
Nailing no. the coffin, that. No! That's literally how, how to take a calm situation and escalate it. You silly, silly woman. So then, of course, my pals are fuming. They're like, you're not going to let her talk to you like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm not. Like, So I turned around, despite the fact that I was with a very <laughs> important man, and went, well, listen, hun. Yeah. I didn't throw a drink at you. I was like, it was an accident. Because if I'd wanted to throw a drink at you, I would have done this. And I took her drink out of her hand and I threw it in her face. And then we all... <laughs> awful. It was awful, Chris. Like, in retrospect, I'm like, you horrible woman. But at the time, like, I was so young, I was so impulsive, I was so fired up. And I was not going to let yeah. anyone embarrass me in front of this very important man. Yeah. So I literally... No, he's very important. <laughs> very, very important. So me and all my mates, like, burst out laughing. We're like, hey! Then we're just like, quick, run! because we knew we were going to get thrown out that behaviour is like abhorrent so we ran out the back yeah, yeah, yeah. belted out the fire exit ran to the nearest club which happened to be this amazing gay club in Newcastle called Powerhouse we were there till 6 o'clock in the yeah. morning fist pumping blowing more whistles drinking shots and wearing pink cowboy hats still with this very important man and then it yeah. got super late and he's like couldn't even speak couldn't even walk so I was like we're going to have to get him home so we got him back to his hotel mm. and put him in his room safely and he turned to us and he just went Vicky don't audition don't screen test don't even meet the execs he went just please fucking be on the show and I was like you know what <laughs> I will I will <laughs> and the rest is history I love that I love that from that go on no that's it the rest Amazing. is history Chris from that whole story from that whole story the uh, the only thing that well the main thing that's making me laugh is the image of uh, 12 Umpalumpers in heels running out of a club. Do you know what the weirdest thing is? We were some we were some of the tallest women I know. Like I've got a six foot friend. Yeah. So we're like the polar opposite of Umpalumpa. So the the, inti- the imagery of it must have been intimidating. Twelve very tall, very <laughs> orange women just like running towards you. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like um, best decision of my life though. Obviously there were some bumps up and mm. down the way do you agree best decision of your life are you super pleased you went on love island yeah absolutely i wouldn't take any of it back to be honest um people always ask me is there anything i regretted from doing on show and apart from swilling myself in the face and actually physically crying on tv probably i could have done without that <laughs> oh, um i don't i still don't regret it though i don't i don't regret anything that i did um I, I don't know, I'm a bit weird, like, I kind of just sort of, like, believe in the universe and think everything, everything happens for a reason, um, and I've also seen the the film The Butterfly Effect too many times to, <laughs> you know what I mean, I just, I believe if, if you change one thing, yeah. like, you, I don't know, you just end up, oh, you could end up in China in prison or something, I don't know, like, if you... <laughs> So I'm not going to change. I'm not going to risk it. Do you no, know what I mean? Don't, don't. I, I feel like you know what? I know you talk about crying and stuff, Chris, and whatever you might have done on the show. But I loved what you brought to Love Island. Like I think in oh, thank you. You're welcome. Like you were absolutely one of my favourites, and all my last mates love you. Like I'm definitely you and Ovi. They absolutely loved, and I think there's it's pretty obvious why like on a show that can more often than not promote quite toxic masculinity and I'm not digging out any of the lads because listen I did Geordie Shaw for five years like I know what guys can be like and I know there's pressure on them too I just think you provided such a welcome reprieve and refreshingly 
honest and vulnerable alternative to to what it is to be a man like i know you mate and let's have it right i've seen you on a couple of nights out you do not struggle to pull a bird so it's not like you have to you have to be this like big alpha male like strutting around with his top off hurting women in order to be desirable you actually proved like being a man is something different which i just fucking loved chris i loved well thank you go get a bit teary that's, that's so nice that's probably the nicest thing that anyone's ever said to me that's really Stop nice it. thank you um i think i actually think um they i'm amazed they put me on the show because i just i never thought that they'd they'd go for that i'm not i don't fit the mold of somebody that goes on love island yeah. so i was kind of a bit like are you sure about this guys are you having me on i thought i was being i thought i was being Punked. I was expecting Aston Clutcher to turn up and be like, "Ah, eh, you dickhead." But um, no, yeah, I was, I was, I was so, I was so amazed that they, they put me on. I mean, I had a gut feeling that after I'd done my first sort of like uh, audition, I had a feeling that I was going on. But um, I was amazed when I got the call. I just because I've, I've, wa- I've watched the seasons. I've watched um, season three and four. That's where I kind of like started getting into it. Yeah. It's a fucking great show. <laughs> it is such show. a funny show. If you get the right characters on there, it's a very, very entertaining show. Um, but I just, I had, yeah, I was amazed that they, they stuck me in there. Amazed. But it it definitely wasn't to their detriment. Like, they gained something from it. And, like, I do think the series yeah. would have lacked without you. You brought humour. You brought, like, like I see a different dimension to the male character. And, like, I remember you going in yeah. there and at, this is, oh, my God, I'm about a fangirl here. So anyone who doesn't want to be, like, yeah, a 32-year-old <laughs> woman, really embarrass herself, switch off now. Um, I remember watching <laughs> you come in. And Abba had just been so messed about by Michael. And then you were like, oh, you were just so lovely. Like you fancied her. You were really open about it. And I thought, for fuck's sake, girl, can you not say what's right in front of you? Like, I was rooting for you. Rooting yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, she just, she, I'm not a type, I don't think. Um, <laughs> which is fine. I'm not, I, I think I'd rather, I'd rather be a bit, exactly, I'd rather be a bit niche. I'd rather be... Um, not everyone's cup of tea than just sort of like a generic. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Listen, someone... likes to be a bit different in it. <laughs> someone said this thing to me once, and I've never forgotten it. And I think it was Lucy Spraggan. Can you remember her off uh, X Factor? She had a guitar. She no. Sang. She was be- a beautiful singer. Anyway, I had her on. We had her on Loose Women once, and she said this thing to me. Yeah. She says, oh, "My mum always says this," and it was, um, "You can be the." best peach in the world you can be the juiciest peach Mm. on the tree you can have fuzz in all the right places you can be literally the 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 duck's nuts of peaches and someone will the dog's bollocks of peach yeah the dog's bollocks of peaches but you someone will just come along who doesn't like peaches (laughs) and that's okay so true (laughs) it is so true yeah it's weird when you talk to people obviously the boys in uh, who i live with like we, we talk about girls and the, the range of opinions on whether people find a girl attractive or not, mm. based, you know, like, oh, look at this girl. Do you know what I mean? I'm talking to this girl. What do you reckon? The range of opinions is mad. <laughs> like, they, they're, like, looking at a girl and going, that's, like, she's absolute, like, worldy. And mm-hmm. I'm like... Well, she's not your cup of tea at all. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. But that's, that's the thing that people need to realise. Everyone needs to realise this. This is a public service announcement. <laughs> Not everyone is everyone's type. And that's 
fucking okay. Do you know what I mean? You don't need to get hung up on that. It's yeah. absolutely fine. Not everyone is going to fancy you. Not everyone's going to think you're ugly. Not everyone's going to think you're this, that, or the other. You just you, people need to appreciate that. It's not a big deal. It's nothing to get upset about. That's why every time I got pied on Love Island, I was like, "It's fine, <laughs> fine." <laughs> I know my voice sounds like I'm not fine when I'm saying that, but I was just like, it's fine. Like, you actually think about it on the show, there's so many less people than there is in the world. And you're kind of like, you're in there and you have to tell yourself, don't base your self-belief and your validation of yourself on these people's opinion. There's 12 fucking people in here. And it is not a representative number of the world and who will find you attractive. And also... Don't let your self-esteem and confidence be based in whether people find you attractive. Let it be based in something a bit deeper than that. Like, I don't know how good a person you are or, you know what I mean, what you do to impact the world and, and how you, you carry yourself and things like that. Like, it's not it's not the be-all and end-all of, of everything. God, I got so serious then. No, but I love it. so like, weird for me. I love it. I love it. You could see the passion, right? And this is exactly what I wanted to talk to you about. Like, it's love, love I see the must... spit hitting the screen. <laughs> Oh, my mic is just soaked after a podcast. Please don't worry. But yeah, I think... Um, so for, for me, watching Love Island, like, I think about it. And obviously, I start, had my start in reality TV. And, and I think, God, if I was young now and hadn't... And I got the opportunity, mm. would I do Love Island? And I look at the girls and they are just so perfect. And it's almost, like, yeah. soul-destroyingly perfect. And, like, I've met a couple of the lasses off Love Island and they're gorgeous. And they do have so much more to yeah. offer than just a great bikini bud, for the most part. So I, yeah. I think it's such a shame that they on that show and almost defined entirely mm. just by the way they look, I feel the pressure not even being on it. Yeah. And I'm wondering what it was like yeah, yeah, yeah. being in there with all of that perfection. Was it intimidating? Not that you're not a lovely bit of kit, mate. You are a lovely bit of kit. <laughs> lovely bit of kit. Um, that's a good question. No, because okay. for me, I don't, as I've just kind of like ranted about, I don't really... I don't really judge people on on the way they look. That that means nothing to me. I kind of find that a little bit shallow. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter to me um, how attractive somebody is or how good their ass is. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love a good ass, but <laughs> at the same time, like, it's it, it's kind of deeper than that. And also, like, I don't get intimidated very easily anyway because I've spent my life in and out of CEOs' offices mm. talking to air quotes again important people that know how to make you feel small. Do you know what I mean? Like they know how to intimidate you and stuff like that. So right. for me, that situation was obviously a bit weird when I first got in there. But again, like, I don't know, you, you look around and you think, well, realistically, they're just they're just humans and you can, I, I kind of pride myself on being able to get on with most people. So I never really thought about it from a uh, superficial perspective in terms of the way people look and how intimidating they might be and more just talk it, took it on a... Uh, like a personality basis type thing so yeah i think you could you can tell you brought something different to the show chris and like i say you fit you. you totally fit the love island like aesthetic you're good looking you're tattooed great bod whatever but actually what stood mm. out to people about you um was the humor that you brought and a sense of just like you made it seem like everyone was actually on holiday and having a really nice time like you made it like a bit fun because nah. sometimes it can get a yeah, bit like 
let's go for a chat. And I just think, come on, guys, you're on a free <laughs> fucking holiday in Magaluf. Let's see some spice. Let's see some yeah. sizzle. I want some fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think I don't know, like, growing up, I kind of had, like, I guess, sort of, like, low self-esteem. Um, and I never oh. really... I don't think I ever really thought I was like a good-looking guy. I'd, I'd also never felt like I fitted in a lot. So I kind of built the the humor thing as a as a defense mechanism for all that kind of stuff. Mm. And to be absolutely honest, like, I didn't even know I was fucking funny until I went on Love Island. Like I found this out <laughs> afterwards. Like the feedback that I got, I was like, "What? Are you f-? like?" But I think that's because a lot of my mates that I hang around with, they're all fucking hilarious. Like <laughs> I can't I can't name. I don't. I can't name one friend of mine that isn't in their own right very, very funny. So I've never really felt like a funny guy. I've ne- yeah. No one's really told me I was funny before. And then I come off Love Island and everyone goes, oh, you, you're really funny. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, it, it, was a weird, it, was a weird, it was a weird concept for me to find that out. Um, I'm still not sure I fully believe it. I'm just kind of like being myself, innit? Maybe I'm a bit weird or whatever. But yeah, I mean, nice feedback, I guess. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, it's a, been a proper journey of self-discovery for you, not only on, on Love Island, but yeah. even just on the first half of this podcast, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, I'm realising a lot of things at the moment. <laughs> well, I've had a lovely time talking to you in part one. Can I count on you coming back in part two? Oh, I don't know. Don't as long as we can keep it more superficial. That's, well, to be fair, Vicky, in my defence... You came on my show yesterday and I asked you a question. I said to you, what was the first song that I ever sung to you? And you couldn't remember it. And to be fair, it's the only song that I've ever sung to you. Which I feel like is a shame. You've forgotten again now, haven't you? (laughs) I don't. I don't. I've got an all right speaking voice. My singing voice is gash. No, I remember the voice. The song, it was, um, I've got a. A thing going on with Vicky, Vicky P. That was it, wasn't it? Yeah, I told you yesterday. Okay, well, I remembered. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck off. I'll see you in part two. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.